Hello and welcome to a hijacked episode of Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your cinema mechanics, Brent Mosier and Travis Santana, and today we're reviewing part two of our political theater trilogy with 1997's Air Force One. We'll jump into five-point inspection with the good, the bad, and the wait, what, why? Closed set, high stakes, dereliction of duty, and non-clancy. But before we do, let's check in on the shop. One, two, three, okay. Four, five. Brett, Brett, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Grab your shit, grab your shit and let's go. We gotta exit down the fire escape. Oh God, is the shop on fire again? I, no, I actually think it's worse. There's a bunch of Russians outside with AKs. I think they're gonna rob me. For the love of what, what are you talking about? Look, it's a long story. I don't have time to get into it, but uh, I have these sweet custom Air Force Ones, only like, 12 were produced, and to be honest, I'm a little strapped for cash, so I placed an ad to sell them, and this Russian guy, he responded in like three minutes after I posted the ad. Hold up, are you selling sneakers out of the shop? Dude, did you hear what I just said? AK-47s. I've got the lockbox and I've got the laptop, let's go. What about the shoes? Oh, Jesus Christ, what about them? You're going to reignite the Cold War over some shoes and then just leave them here? Not on my watch. You give these Russians a cookie, they're gonna want some milk. Uh, a, a cookie? M milk? Brett, Brett, no, come, come back here. I'll just file an insurance claim. It was at that moment that the heart, the soul, and the brains of the Hollywood Chop Shop risked his life for a pair of sneakers, much to my dismay. I sat and wondered what the future of the shop would look like without its leader, it's pilot, and then I heard it. Get out of my shop. Join me, and hopefully Brett, as we discuss Air Force One. A radicalized faction of Russian nationalists hijack Air Force One with the president, his family, and major members of his administration on board. Their mission? Demand the release of communist general looking to reestablish the Soviet Union. After refusing to evacuate the plane midair, which would have ended the terrorist plot immediately, the president attempts to overthrow the rogues while saving as many passengers as possible. Alrighty, Travis. We'll get into five-point inspection, but you know I gotta know. What is your quick diagnostic of 1997's Air Force One? Uh, we kind of talked about it off air. Um, it's exciting that we can kind of return to a property that you are a little bit familiar with, at least, that I have never seen. Because full disclosure, I had never seen Air Force One. I had heard a lot, a lot of great things. I knew Gary Oldman was the villain. I, of course, knew the famous line, get off of my plane. Um, when you chose it, I was trying to decide one of two ways. Either Brett really has a special connection with this movie. He enjoys it from whenever he saw it, whether it be 97 on, or Brett wants to tear this movie apart. <laughs> so 
Here's what I'll say, Brett. If you have a special connection to this movie, I'm going to shit all over. <laughs> I did not I did not like this movie at all. And I won't even go so far as to say I hated it because if I hated it, it would have had more elements of just like wait, what? They put this in the movie. I I don't know if we have a five point to discuss it, but any hair-raising action scene in this movie is accompanied by some of the worst CGI I've ever seen. Um, Gary Oldman crushes it because Gary Oldman is a villain. He's always going to crush it, even though I have some problems with his accent. Harrison Ford is the president. He, he turns in a Harrison Ford performance, but man, I have so many fucking complaints about this movie. <laughs> uh, but I'll leave it there. We can get into the specifics and a couple of my five points. What did you think historically of this movie and upon rewatch? So it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, honestly, and I didn't remember a whole lot about it. When, I, I hate to tell you, it was neither of your two options. It was when we decided to do a political thing, I just wanted to do kind of an, uh, I guess, an action, a political action movie. And for whatever reason, Air Force One was the first thing that came to my mind. So I just threw that out there and then we stuck with it. Um, so I, if you had said, I don't want to do, and then when you said you had never seen it, I was like, oh, well, if he's never seen Air Force One, we have to do Air Force One. I, I have no affinity to this movie whatsoever. Um, I think there's some interesting stuff that happens in the movie that I can appreciate to your, I mean, I think it's a fairly generic action movie. And I think my biggest problem with the movie is character motivations and how they seem to <laughs> change back and forth depending on the situation. Uh, so with that, I think we can go ahead and, and just go ahead and jump right into five point inspection. So is there a specific one you want to start with? I, I don't know how the flow will go. Um, my big one is dereliction of duty. That's uh, that's where a lot of my complaints lie. Okay, all right, you asked for it. <laughs> uh, so we're actually, funny enough, recording this a few days before Veterans Day, which I believe is this Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, and President Marshall, played by Harrison Ford, is a veteran in this movie. Um, Veterans Day exists, you know. Everybody knows this, but it just it it bears repeating. It it represents honoring those who have served and and there's the old saying all gave some some gave all you know when you you know join the u.s military or serve the united states i mean the president there's no higher office than that in the united states there's a certain level of sacrifice that's why we honor veterans because there's a sacrifice involved um this movie i get why they do it with harrison ford but President Marshall is irresponsible as hell. He's an irresponsible son of a bitch. Even before the plane hijacking, when he's giving that speech in Moscow, he goes off script. Mm -hmm. Nobody in his cabinet is aware that he's going to do that. And it's played as, as very honorable, which again, a 1997 movie, you know, rah, rah America. I get why you want to do that. It makes him a terrible president. 
Well, I think it goes beyond that because it's all about like, you know, his whole thing is like, we've, you know, you've got to stand up and we have to do the right thing, even when it's uncomfortable. The right thing in that situation would have been for him to stay in the fucking escape pod and get off that plane while it's being hijacked, oh! as opposed to that's okay, as opposed to. I thought I was gonna have a hot take that you would disagree with that, but yes, yeah, no, 100% agree. Please immediately, continue. Immediately, immediately, he it's just like you're talking about the ultimate and always doing what's right. I'm like, you do realize you have now put a lot more in jeopardy because you chose not to get in the escape pod because I'm not gonna leave people behind. I'm like. The weird part is, is then later in the movie, he goes on about like, oh, whatever we do, we can't release the general like what, you know, whatever. Sacrifice me if you have to, whatever it is like we can't allow that to happen because it'll so many other people will get hurt and all that. And then later in the movie, when they start attacking his family, he immediately switches again. And I'm like, no, the whole point of your character is that you do what's right, even when it's difficult. Not up until my family's going to get hurt. And then all of a sudden I became a pussy <laughs> and I'm going to let it go. I'm like. Especially after he lets Brett, people die, <laughs> like he lets people die, and it's like, oh wait, but it, not my family. I can't, I can't do that. You're right. <laughs> I mean, to your point, he, you're saying that the whole you know, President Marshall is, you know, do the right thing even though it's difficult, but that that is completely contradicted to me. Like you said, I thought I was going to be alone in this take because you know how could you leave your family? But I'm like, once you sign on to be the president of the United States. As important as your family is, the fucking country is more important. The world at that and you're point. Putting your, <laughs> the world. You're putting yourself in the hands of a psychopath, you know, nuclear level terrorist. All because, hey, you know, it, it makes for some some audience cheers when you go back to save your family, which, again, that works in cinema, but... I think that's why this I hated this movie so much. If I had seen it in 97, maybe I could have got on board with the, you know, America's the best. This president's going to be able to save his family and the country. But after seeing so much in the way of like political thrillers that are a little more realistic, this movie just seems so quaint and just misguided. Well, what I think is weird, too, is like, <laughs> with this whole thing, it's like, OK, I thought that when he calls Moscow and tells him to release the general, it was going to be some kind of like elaborate like thing. Like, oh, they always knew that like the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. As soon as he crosses the line, grab him. Like, you're not actually going to let him go, but this buys me an extra 10 minutes to try and, and take over. Not a matter of like, I'm now have going to call have to call him and call it off. Like, no, no, no. Get the general back. I saved my family. It's OK now. But even then, like the Russian president is like, I. I guess if the president wants this, I'll release a, a communist general who's definitely going to overthrow my gov government and put my people in shit. I'm like, why do you have any obligation to the president? Like, yes, thank you. We're allies. But we know what we're predicting is going to happen if this general is released from prison. Why would you do it? Yeah, it has a more immediate impact on Russia. Which, again, dereliction of duty. And Brett, I won't stop there as far as criticizing this movie. What about the vice president, played by Glenn Close, Vice President Bennett? She has the opportunity to sign the executive order to say, hey, do you think the president might be in some duress? Do you think that maybe his decision making might be influenced by a radical terrorist? 
Eh, probably so, but I'm not going to sign the paper out of loyalty. A ra- out of my loyalty to Jim. A radical terrorist that also has her family on, that has his family on board the airplane. Like, you know that he's, like, they could potentially be torturing his family in front of him. Like, yeah, there's there's no reason. Like, <laughs> at a, so yeah, just, it's, it, no, go ahead. No, 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 what were you going to say? It's just amazing to me that all the leaders in this movie, the Russian president, the United States president, the vice president of the United States, all of them just make terrible decisions. I mean, I guess at least for, you know, President Marshall and and VP Bennett, I can see there's a personal connection. But to your point, the Russian president, fuck you. You sorry that your security wasn't up to snuff. That sucks that you're in that situation. I'm not going to put my people in jeopardy just to save you and your family. So every decision by a leader in this movie is just so questionable. I well, again, I guess in 97, we just weren't thinking about that. It also creates a weird situation where I suspected there was going to be like a, a higher level double cross because you had the secretary general who I kept I couldn't tell him like is I was like trying to remember the movie because it's been so like is, is he does he want up being a bad guy? Is it like he's trying like he's in cahoots with the general and he's trying to take over the U.S. And like, no, he's just trying to do the right thing, but being portrayed as the asshole. Because yes, so it's like you wind up creating this situation where like you're waiting for him to be a power hungry double cross, but it never comes, even though it's being set up that way because of the decision making of all the other leaders in the movie, the good guys, you know. Which that might be a good segue because I I have a feeling with your what is it the good the bad and the wait, wait what why what yeah is that in reference to Secret Service agent Gibbs yes. is he's the the wait what why yeah yeah <laughs> I have questions Brett what what's his motivation you know that's a great question uh, Travis and that was um, I have I have questions because they never reveal like. Was he in it for the money? Uh, is he a Russian special agent? Like, what is his deal other than just being a bad guy? <laughs> like, like, and then the weird part is, is you have, you have, um, oh shit, what's his name? Uh, God damn it. The main villain. Uh, Gary Oldman? I don't know his yes, character's Gary name. Yes, Gary Oldman. Jesus Christ, could not come up with that. Gary Oldman. You have Gary Oldman. You make him somewhat... I'm not going to say a tragic villain because he's not, but like you understand like he has a family and he's just he's literally all about Mother Russia and he is a complete nationalist and all that. And you kind of get his motivations and what he is and like you you don't necessarily agree with him, but you understand where he's coming from. And then you get the Secret Service agent who's just there to be a bad guy. Because again, it's not a matter of like how much did they pay you or anything because there's the line. He's like, I trusted you with my life. And he goes, oh, the next president will too. And I'm like, Again, so are you a planted eight? What are you other than an asshole? <laughs> I don't understand what your motivation is here. Are you just a mercenary? So, I know typically you you do a good job of doing like a deep dive on the trivia and the behind the scenes of the movie. Did you do any for, for Air Force One? No, I did not. I did a little bit. Uh, there was a novelization of the movie, which I will... I will never understand why movies like this get novelizations like how many copies of that book was really sold like hey i saw air force one in the theater but i need a little more meat on that bone so let me pay 19.99 for the paperback but apparently in the book and here's the the best part brett 
they pay one line to Gibbs motivation and you've already called it out. It was for money. <laughs> like course. he has an internal monologue about how he loves serving with a lot of his co secret service agents. He didn't even dislike president Marshall, but the paycheck was just too good. So even in the novelization that's supposed to flesh this out, it's simply a money grab. I don't know if I would have been any more satisfied with he's just in it for the money, but at least it would have been an explanation. Something, something that gives you <laughs> yeah, some understanding as to why somebody like, because it's your point. It's like, I liked my secrets. Like, then why the fuck did you shoot them? Like, at what, I want to know what the dollar amount is that that amount of human life is, is irrelevant to you. Because it wasn't one person you killed. Like, you killed everybody. And then you were willing to watch the president and his family be murdered. And then the communist general take over Russia again. Like, the domino effect. How, what was the amount of money that they had to pay him for him to not give a fuck? And... I'd like to work in my time capsule where it's appropriate instead of saving it its own segment. My time capsule this week is Xander Berkeley, which he plays Agent Gibbs. And Brett, we know him from a couple of movies that we've reviewed. Uh, one being Heat, uh, which he was Ralph. Now, he wasn't okay. an outright villain in there, but he was kind of a piece of shit. Okay. He was fucking Al Pacino's wife. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you go back to Terminator 2... He is the asshole stepdad of John Connor. Oh. And Brett, if you pull up Xander Berkeley's IMDb, if he's playing a role, there's an 85% chance that he's going to be, at best, a complete asshole. <laughs> at worst, the absolute villain of the movie. So even in 97, if I would have seen Xander Berkeley pop up, I would have been like, yep, he's going to betray the president. So there's not even an element of surprise in this movie for me. So... That brings up a good point, I, and I don't have it in a five points. It's just one of those things where, like, so you, as a moviegoer, I think it's weird when directors or stories try and create, like, a false sense of suspense. If you go into this movie, if you've seen a trailer for it, which you most likely did if you want to go watch it, or even if you haven't, you know the movie is Air Force One, and it's about the president fighting terrorists on the airplane. So when they shoot the entire sequence of him not being on the escape pod the way they did like suspenseful like they opened up like it's empty like no shit who didn't think that was going to be fucking empty and then when he crawls down from outside I'm like did anybody honestly think he wasn't still on the fucking plane did anybody think the rest of the movie was going to be harrison ford behind enemy lines or harrison ford in the war room at the white house giving commands like who didn't think he was going to be on the fucking airplane so why shoot the movie that way like there's some level of suspense like when they open it like is he go is he gonna be inside is he gonna be inside I don't oh my god he wasn't inside i can't believe it well i'm gonna break new ground here on the chop shop let me ask you how you feel about this I had one minor tweak for the movie that I thought would have improved it a little bit. So I guess it's my chop. Can I can I get into it briefly? Let's here? just do it, it here. It'll Let's, only take yeah. a minute. What you should do is you should have James Marshall, the president, being escorted to the pod by the Secret Service. And somewhere along that journey, he's going to get in the pod but then he realizes that Gibbs and maybe Gibbs, because let's be realistic. I I, I don't want to get too specific, but if, if you're an employer and you get into some kind of 
below board shenanigans, you're going to kind of recruit other people into your scheme, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, ticket refunds, whatever the case may be, you're going to bring other people into the fold. Have President Marshall being escorted by who he thinks are loyal Secret Service agents. And then he kind of gets the hint that maybe even his own men on the plane that are going to, quote unquote, protect the staff and his family after he leaves, they're they're in league with the Russians as well. And have them trying to force him into the pod, and then he has to kill a few of them. It makes it a little more justifiable as to why he would stay. If he already knows that even the people he thought he trusted on the plane are dirty, I could I could accept him staying a little bit more. It still would have been a little bit of an abandonment of his duty as a president, but at least it would have been a little more compelling. Yeah. Well, I mean, even to that. Like, you don't even have to give Gibbs away. You don't even have to give Gibbs away, even though by Xander Berkeley playing him, you know he's the bad guy. But you could at least have a couple of henchmen, quote unquote, on the Secret Service get iced there. And Marshall knows, hey, there's no way everybody in this plane is going to live because it's an inside job. Yeah, because even to that point, I mean, you'd have to tweak it, the plot a little bit more. But essentially what you could wind up doing is the whole plan is for the 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 nationalists or the, you know, the communists to get him on the pod with a, it's a, with some kind of, you know, beacon to where they can pick up the president on the ground. So they have him and can take him to whatever safe house they want. And Marshall notices like they're trying to put some kind of plant on him and he knows that that shouldn't be what's going on. And that's what tips him off. And then instead, if you do the reveal, it winds up being the communists are the ones that open up and realize, hey, the president's not in there. They phone up the dudes on the plane and they're like, oh, fuck, the president is still on the plane. Like, we have to change the way we're negotiating. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Once again, I come with an idea and you improve it. Um, because, yeah, the, the tension in this movie is, you know, Gary Oldman for a while thinks it's just a Secret Service agent down in the plane. Mm hmm. But as an audience, we know that's not the case. So there is zero dramatic tension in that. We just know more than the villain does. In your scenario, yes, it 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 aligns the audience with the players in the movie as far as their level of knowledge. So again, just that is is a major improvement in this movie. So that's we'll go into one of my five points now. High stakes with the tension. Now, I didn't think that there was necessarily a bunch of tension with, you know. Obviously, the, the president's going to get away. We don't think that. Like, But I did think this movie actually did do a decent job of, like, you. they kill people. Like, when the, the, the secretary gets shot in the head, you're like, oh, like, there's, like, there's actual stakes in this movie. I still, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when he kills the, what is it, the, the ambassador or whatever, the, the foreign, foreign relation or foreign secretary. And he's like, he's a very good negotiator. He got you 30 more minutes. I'm like, that's a fucking great line. That's a great villain line, especially to be delivered by Gary Oldman. I'm like, that was that was one of my favorite lines in the movie. Um, but yeah, it's like they actually start killing important people. So you're like this. We could actually start seeing a lot of the hostages die as opposed to I feel like a lot of the more modern ones. Nobody dies, you know, and I guess I think that's a symptom of like the Marvel. It's like, well, they're all good. You know, we it's it's technically kids are gonna watch these and stuff like that where it's we we can't we can't be killing we can't be killing the hostages i'm like no this one's like there's there is a chance that one of the president's family members was gonna die like if you had said yeah the mom's gonna get shot and he's gonna save his daughter like i was like that that could actually have happened and at least created a little bit more tension 
why he would decide that you needed to get rid of the general. It's like, oh, he actually did kill one of my family members. It's not just a matter of, you know, pretending to do it or something like that. Because obviously you start losing a lot of your bargaining chips and all that. But yeah, it was, uh, like I said, I did think it was interesting in terms of this, that they actually did put, put stakes in the game where people were being killed. And especially characters like, you know, you didn't necessarily have a lot of attachment to, but they were like decent characters that you had some recognition as to who they were and what they did. And you can kind of, you know, basically project what that person like oh i know somebody who would have been just like that secretary but uh i I did appreciate that yeah one credit i'll give to this movie is based upon you know harrison ford the time like you said it's kind of a generic cookie cutter action movie when when the president is given the choice like hey out yourself or let this innocent woman die i was like there's no way they'll actually let her die and she gives a compelling performance uh right before she's killed so yeah that was my one it's odd to say pleasant surprise because Mm -hmm. it is tragic but i thought they would pull that punch and i was glad that they did not yeah uh and to that point the only thing i can say again i don't know if this is necessarily positive or not about the movie but just something interesting is i do think having the entire action set piece on an airplane was interesting like i mean you know we also obviously have planes like snakes on a plane and stuff like that have done it con air you know a lot of it but i do think it's interesting to have all of it which we'll get into (laughs) i have questions but i did think that the it was interesting having it all set on an airplane and basically you had three real scenes when it came to that you had the main lobby you had underneath where all the beverages and shit like that were and then basically the high you know the command center the most technologically advanced command center ever on the airplane but uh i thought they did a decent job creating having variety even though it was confined to that space in terms of where they were doing the fighting and even then it would switch between the floors so it it never felt stale to me as again ironic saying that this was kind of cookie cutter action but i think just knowing that it was essentially those three places the action didn't necessarily get stale i'm like oh great we're fighting in the bottom of the airplane again or oh great we're fighting outside the conference room again yeah i i can't talk much more about the plane setting until I guess we have uh, we get into I have questions because I have questions about the action that takes place on this plane. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we have the exact same question about it, but I think that means that we only have one five point left. I think non Clancy, uh, which was a, a special of yours. So do you want to go into non Clancy? Yeah, I think it'll be brief. Uh, it's interesting. Had I known that you didn't actually have an affinity for this movie. I, I could have suggested two better Harrison Ford-led political movies, um, which is from the, the Jack Ryan universe. Uh, he played Jack Ryan in Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen those from the mid-90s? Uh, I've seen Clear and Present Danger, but I don't think I've seen Patriot Games. Uh, so I think Clear and Present Danger is the superior one. Uh, both of those in the Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan universe – when you pick this movie, and not only when you pick this movie, but in in my head, like I said, I haven't seen it until this watch. I thought there was going to be a much level, a much higher level of political intrigue in this movie um, compared to you know. I I, I thought it was going to be on the Tom Clancy level. No. This movie is essentially 
uh, you've got our leader. We're going to take your leader. Let our leader go. Mm-hmm. And then it's resolved in you let our leader go. But our the other leader was able to defeat the terrorists. So we're going to shoot your leader before he could completely exit the prison. That's the whole movie. And honestly, I think it was a better plan for the Americans and the Russians because they were able to execute the general um, and make sure he wasn't coming back in a completely plausible way. So honestly, I think there might have been an inside man on the Russian or the American side that actually plotted this so that they could plot the assassination of the communist general. And that's a great point, Brett. I feel like in a, a Tom Clancy novel, that would be explored a lot more. But this movie is just so straightforward and vanilla, like there was nothing to chew on plot wise because it's again, it's just Xander Berkeley betraying the president and his country just for no reason whatsoever that the audience has shown. And I guess my other problem, clear and present danger. I know you said you've seen it. It's, you know, I'm assuming it's been a while, but it's got a phenomenal action scene where there's a, a convoy ambushed. Um with Jack Ryan and, and political leaders of the U.S. where they're taking fire from a rooftop and they're in a, a cavalcade of SUVs and they have to flee the area. It's a million times more compelling than any action in this movie. And I guess my main problem with this movie is if you're going to be dumb story-wise, give me great action. If you're not going to have great action, give me great political intrigue. This movie fails on both counts um, because, like I said, man, the CGI is awful the people (laughs) we'll get to it and i have questions but the people floating around in their parachutes as if they just jumped out of a hot air balloon from like a thousand feet with terrible green screen behind them i just i thought this was going to be tom clancy adjacent and that's why i named it just non-clancy because there is no meat on the bone when it comes to actually understanding well, global I, politics. I like in the movie they establish that that Marshall is a, a a veteran pilot, and I'm like, okay, that that he understands why he would want to cut the line to make them land the plane. What I think is interesting is they get to the point where it's like, okay, Marshall, you're an ex pilot, you're gonna have to fly the plane, and then immediately make it so he doesn't have to fly the plane immediately. Like it's like, okay, you're gonna have to fly the plane. Well, I've never flown a big plane like this. Oh, good, because you're not gonna have to, because we're gonna immediately uh, make sure that that's not actually an issue. Because you know, uh, the too much fuel, Kazakhstan. I, I don't fucking know. The engine explodes. I there was something that caused him to not actually have to fly the plane. I'm like, oh, with the exception of him having to steer it. I guess he had to. Dodge, <laughs> I, he should have been a Top Gun pilot, being able to fly Air Force One and you know outmaneuver the MiGs in it. But uh, I did think it was funny that yeah, we get to that point. He he really doesn't have to do anything in terms of flying the airplane. <laughs> so let's get to I have questions because I think there's going to be a bunch. So for starters, um, I assume we're going to talk about the fact that they are very willy nilly firing machine guns on an airplane. That's that's probably the top yes. of both of our lists. <laughs> and at no point yes. do they explain that they're somehow like, I don't know, I don't think, a, I think a hollow tip, I don't know, like the rounds aren't going to pierce the fuselage of the plane, but like it does feel like at any given point, um, the, the plane should have just been riddled with holes and everybody should have been suffocating from the lack of oxygen being sucked through the airplane. 
Or, Brett, or if you want to tell me that the interior of the plane is made of adamantium <laughs> and the bullets won't actually penetrate, then bullets would be ricocheting all <laughs> over the fucking cockpit. <laughs> and I almost wish that they had gone that route where... Because it's not it's not a couple pistols being discharged. It's automatic weapon fire. Either there would that plane would have been Swiss cheese or bullets would have been ricocheting and bouncing around to where by the end of the movie it just would have been a bunch of dead people falling out of the sky. Yeah. I mean, and at some point you could even have like Harrison Ford gets a gun, shoots it, and his wife is in the room and says, We already tried that, you know? Almost like a tra- trash compactor or something like that. <laughs> um, so, yes, that was my media. I'm like, they are very willy-nilly with the guns. I also do like the the president manages to kill Russian, does not take the bulletproof vest, does not choose to, to protect himself. He's like, I'm the goddamn president. I am bulletproof. <laughs> it's just like... And, there's certain things where it's like, oh, he's got a level of logic. Like, he goes and finds the sat phone and stuff like that. But does it grab the bulletproof vest at all? Uh, well, what about the, uh, you know, should I cut the red wire or the blue wire? Let's cut the yellow wire because yellow is the color of cowards. And let's trust in the red, white, and blue. I'm like... Well, I think that it even goes back to your Metaphor. dereliction. That even goes back to your dereliction to duty type thing, where it's like you realize if you cut the wrong one, everyone is dead. It doesn't even matter anymore what you're trying to do. Like you have, li- you've killed everyone. <laughs> I just thought that was so corny and mm-hmm. so cheesy, but perfect for this movie. Uh, perfect yeah. for this movie. Um. Let's see. Another, uh, I have I have questions. This this was a big one towards the end of the movie, so we probably won't go chronological order. So, the whole end of the movie culminates to they have to use the paratroopers. Remember I said that? The paratroopers airplane. And they have to create a zip line from it to Air Force One while Air Force Run One is losing altitude. And basically the paratroopers airplane has to go up and down to create the zip line so they can send the guy back and forth on the zip line. Travis, there were what, five people on Air Force One? And they showed that there were what, like nine paratroopers on the other airplane? Why didn't they just bring the parachutes over? Why didn't they just bring the parachutes over and give the five people on Air Force One the parachutes and have them jump off just like all of the other fucking hostages did rather than this super risky zip line. Like, is it a cool set piece? Sure. Fine. It's interesting. But at the end of the day, there's no fucking logic there whatsoever. We've already established the parachutes work. And here's the thing. That was my other question, Brett. And it's not even a question. Those parachutes would not have worked. (laughs) All those people jumping out of the back of the plane are fucking dead. Bart, they're at what they drop it down to a respectable what is it fifteen thousand feet? I think something like that, yeah. And forgive me if I if I truly gave a shit about this movie, I would have paid closer attention. But the airspeed at which they were operating, what would have happened is all of those people would have suffered extreme whiplash. And even if even if the parachutes hadn't tangled, because. 
nautical speed, not not nautical, aer- aeronautical speed, they're doing probably anywhere between 200 and 250 miles an hour. You're jumping out of that plane and immediately deploying your chute. You're going to get whiplash. The, 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 the parachute is going to get tangled in itself, and you're going to be dead long before you hit the ground <laughs> in, a, in a red mist pudding. So you're, the problem with this movie, uh, amongst many, is you're saying, like, well, why didn't they just stick to the parachutes? I think because probably one scriptwriter was like, yeah, if they used parachutes, they'd all be dead. But the other scriptwriter was like, let's have them exit via parachute at 15,000 feet at 220 miles an hour. So <laughs> how else are we going to get these hostages watching, off the plane? <laughs> the, you know, the future postmaster, which I did like that line, just watching her as if she's on some sort of scenic tour, like, Oh, I'm just, I'm just waving. Like, no, you would, you would be unconscious with multiple broken phones. I do also love the fueling plane exploding and them flying away from the the exploding fueling plane. <laughs> because, of course, it somehow scratches and breaks the pole, so now it's leaking. And I'm like, I feel like there's probably some safeguard that if it, there was a break like that, it would just stop the pump and it wouldn't allow it to keep doing that. Like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, our military budget is God knows what. I think they would have figured out that safeguard. Did you like the uh, impressive timing of the pilot that sacrificed himself to save Air Force One? Oh, I love several of the, you know, including I, I, I can't. That's another problem I have with these kind of movies is there's so many people in in cabinet positions and whatnot. The guy who who jumps in front of Harrison Ford, a lot of convenient timing in this movie and kind of changes of character, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. He he went from being who's the fucking asshole that got her killed. Oh, Mr. President, that was very brave of you. Thank you so much for doing <laughs> that. <laughs> My God, he's right. What did you think of um what was it? Um Oh Jesus Christ! I brought him up in the last episode. He was in here. Uh, William H. Macy. William H. Macy as as the the commander who does it all and then immediately gets killed at the end. Just like just like. Wait, you done? He's just dead. <laughs> I, I kind of loved it, it, but it's more so because that feels like the appropriate William H. Macy portrayal. I'll always think of him in Fargo, where he's in his whitey tighties trying to climb out the hotel window as the police go after him. <laughs> so it was fun to see him kind of get his heroic moment, but ultimately, William H. Macy, you can never be the absolute hero. No, not at all. So that would have been a bigger reveal that he was the bad guy. But yes. Oh, I also do love at the end, like they're all like, oh, only one person can zip line. It's going to be a president. It can't be the other two. But like, why couldn't you have all just grabbed the line like he was dangling off that? There's so much at the end. I'm like, I don't understand why this one person had to die or what two people had to die. Like, it's just it's such a weird thing to me. And even the weird when when uh, the Secret Service guy's died, he's got the weird platoon thing like, no, why? He's on his knees. It's like he doesn't get thrown from the plane until like it's just suddenly in the water. Yes. Yeah. And a general complaint about this movie is Gary Oldman to me is the most compelling part. 
I was surprised to know that like he dies with like 20 to 25 minutes left of the movie. And then it's just Xander Berkeley is your remaining villain. I, I thought that was a mistake. I, I didn't take the time to rewrite and, and think about how you could have kept Gary Oldman around. But I was stunned to know that get off of my plane and Gary Oldman's death is far from the end of this movie. Or again, to bring back the escape pod, if the escape pod had been more of a plot element and then the very end, it winds up a battle between Gary Oldman and Marshall, Harrison Ford, and like Harrison Ford winds up like kicking him into the escape pod with a dynamite and it explodes in there or he winds up getting caught or something like again, make the escape pod to me was a very interesting set piece that winds up being used very poorly. Yeah, it's just a terrible setup. Like, you could have even, they're the last two people on the plane, and they're battling to see who gets in the escape pod. Fuck, even let them get both in the escape pod and do, like, a Captain America, what was it, uh, Winter Soldier, where, like, it's the two of them fighting in the escape pod and do one of those really, like, close, intimate fights between the two of them. Yeah, and then you could have the dramatic, you know, once the pod is on the ground and the rescue who's team. Who's alive? <laughs> who's going to, who, yeah, who's going to pop out? <laughs> oh, man. So many different things you could have done with the movie, Travis. We've already chopped the shit out of this you one. Could, <laughs> yeah, you could have had Calvin from Life also be in the pod. I was waiting wow. for the Calvin reference. I was honestly, dude, I've been waiting the whole time for the Calvin reference <laughs> with the escape pod. Oh, yeah, there boy. you go. He's got his tentacles around uh, James Marshall's throat. <laughs> it was Calvin the whole time. He was actually the conspirator. Um, alrighty. I don't. Did you have any more questions for the movie? No, I just I can't believe I, Brett. I I had a little bit of trepidation. I was like, I really don't want to come in and shit on a movie that Brett like loved, and I. I enjoy that we are in lockstep on this one. Oh, Sometimes yeah. that doesn't make for entertaining podcasting, but in this particular case, I feel like it does. Yeah, it's. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. You want to do some blue book? Travis, the sticker price of this here flick was an estimated eighty five million dollars. Can you tell me what you thought it brought in U.S. and Canada? I know it was a hit. That's why I assumed it would be good. U.S. and Canada, I'm, I'm going to assume that was the majority of its box office for obvious reasons. I'll say... 110? 173 million dollars. U.S. and Canada? U.S. and Canada. Do you want Jesus? Okay. Do you want to guess what it brought in worldwide? I don't. I don't think it would be much more. Although I guess the world was a little more tolerant for the United States, maybe in the late nineties. Plus, it's Harrison Ford. You said, yeah. You said it was one seventy U.S. and one hundred seventy-three million dollars, U.S. and Canada. Damn, I, I do. Ooh, I don't know. I'll say. I can't believe that it would make that much more. I'll say 205. 315 million dollars. <laughs> hey, but by curiosity, did you adjust that for inflation no. to see what it would be today? No, no I did not. OK, well, I, I got to know. Hold on. 
I'm going to guess with inflation, it's going to be around 500 million. I am looking up box office, box office inflation calculator. How much did you say? 315. Yeah, you're right. It'd be about $540 million. So yeah, you, I don't even know why I had to look it up, Brad. I, I had the mathematician here with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so can you? how angry would you be to know that that movie would have made that much money? I just... And here's the thing. I am a sucker for like mid to late 90s terrible action. But here's my problem, Brett. This wasn't even the best action movie on a plane that came out in 97. That would be Con Air. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like Armageddon, Con Air, Face Off, Twister, all of those movies I would take over this. And the fact that this movie made more than any of them is a slap in the face. Here's going to be the disappointing thing is if there was another movie that took place on an airplane in 97, because then we could have done the 97 up in the air movie. Turbulence? Fuck, we could have done a 1997 airplane movie. Turbulence was 97. Holy shit. Damn. Well, what was with airplanes in 97? It was like space when we reviewed life. Yeah, that is crazy to me. Damn, and yeah, we could we could have had a Ray... I think our... No, no, not a Ray Liotta debut, because we know what that is. He just confirmed it, but we could have had another Ray Liotta jam if we had done Turbulence, Con Air, and Air Force One. Shit, I was even trying to think, like, what else came out this year that, like, why it would have done so well. But I'm like, Con Air, Face Off came out this year. Men in Black came out this year. The Fifth Element, another beautiful, or a, a great Gary Oldman movie came out this year. Like, there were a lot of other, like, solid action movies that came out in 97. All right. You want to do some tag and title? Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping you threw in a Con Air tagline. We'll I didn't we'll because see. the problem is I can't do stuff I know that you love because it, it taints it. Yeah, I would have saw it coming I, a mile away. I thought I thought about doing a Con Air one and didn't. All right, so Travis, I'm going to give you three taglines. One is an official tagline for this movie. One is a tagline for a movie I found adjacent, and one... As a tagline, I created myself. What I need you to do is tell me which of these taglines is an official tagline of 1997's Air Force One. Are you ready? I think so. We are never stronger than when we are tested. The fate of a nation rests on the courage of one man. The fight for democracy is about to take off. Jesus Christ, this is a tough one. Uh, as is tradition, I always assume the best one is a Brett Mosher creation because I, I think you're that talented. I think the fight for democracy is about to take off. That's you. Okay. That's that's too good. If this were 2010, I would think it was too good. But 97, it's way too good. So that's yours. What was that? basic ass one you gave me at the first the first tagline we are never stronger than when we are tested jesus you you've outdone yourself this week i'm 
And then the third was... Give me me the second one. I'm drawing a blank here. The fate of a nation rests on the courage of one man. I'm going to say that's an official tagline. Okay. I, I don't know I don't know what that first one is. I, obviously, it has to be an adjacent title, but yeah, no, no. What do you got? Locking it in. I mean, it's it's about the weakest lock in ever, but yes, I'll lock it in. You did good. You did good this week, sir. You got all three. You got all three. Do you want to take a stab at the adjacent movie? Do you want to go for the bonus? Give it to me one more time. We are never stronger than when we are tested. Can I can I ask for one clarifying hint? Okay. Does it involve an airplane? No. Am I going to be pissed off that I didn't get this? Uh, I don't know. I'll say flight plan with no that 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 that's. And I also just said it had nothing to do with a plane. (laughs) Yeah, it's a 2013 movie. Never stronger. I got nothing. Olympus has fallen. The, the president gets kidnapped. Oh, yep. yeah. Damn it. Yeah, and that's generic enough, though, that there was no chance oh, yeah, I no. would ever get it. But that is a good adjacent. <laughs> yeah. That is a good adjacent. Um, So the other taglines for this movie that I did not can, use were. Can I ask you a quick question? Uh-huh. Can I ask you a quick question? Are you an Olympus fall? Olympus is falling guy or are you a White House down guy? I haven't seen any of them. I haven't seen anything from that franchise. Okay, you know what? If we do another political intrigue, I may have to insert White House down. Jamie Foxx, Channing Tatum, that movie came and went, but it is it is underrated. It's a it's a fun movie. Okay. All right. Um other taglines for this movie were a Wolfgang Peterson film. I always love when they just throw the director's name out there. Harrison Ford is Especially when he hasn't done shit. <laughs> Harrison Ford is the president of the United States. Impenetrable, invincible, in trouble. I almost gave you that one. And then the most important man, the cert, the the surest airplane, the most dangerous hijackers. I thought that was dog shit. <laughs> I was like, I don't. Let's just throw yeah, just three fucking words together. Yeah, the most important yeah. man, the surest airplane, the most dangerous hijackers. So terrible. All right. Uh, well, I'm. Fortunately, fortunately, I don't know. We wound up kind of taking time cap in Chop Shop and kind of uh, throwing them in earlier in the episode, so they were they were spliced in there. So I think that that does it for us for this one. Um, do you have any final th- thoughts or anything you want to say about this before we uh, we conclude this episode? Um, I'm gonna throw in a quote because I thought it was it was a good quote. It was. It hinted at the movie that I actually wanted. Um, and it's the exchange between uh, Grace and uh, Gary Oldman's character, uh, the First Lady. I know what you're thinking, First Lady. You want me dead. Well, it might come to that. In the war, people die. Well, this isn't war. You just murdered an unarmed woman. You, who murdered 100,000 Iraqis to save a nickel on a gallon of gas, are you going to lecture me about the rules of war? Don't. I thought that was, uh, again, it was probably too early to really get into America's not the shining 
white hat of the world. Uh, but I, I like that they at least paid lip service to it. And of course, Gary Oldman crushes the line. Well, and that's the problem with that is okay. So that was the the breadcrumb or the start of the I don't want to say anti capitalism, but like the hey, like capitalism has its like its flaws as well. Like you you can't. Everything has its perks and its flaws, and then you kind of have to you measure. You can't grow exponentially forever, right? You, you without at a certain taking advantage. Yeah, of at a certain point, like you have to sit back and analyze, you know, the the flaws of your own system and all that. I'm like, and then if you had tied that into the Secret Service person, sac- like basically selling everyone out for money, I'm like, oh, that would have been the book into that conversation. It's like, oh, here's the government side of that all the way down to the individual because of the society values money so much, he's willing to sell out basically his whole country and the world for a buck. But they didn't do that, you know? So, because why would they? Yeah, it it makes me wonder, is is that something that was in an early version of the script? I certainly hope so, but yeah, the, the fact that this movie was so successful in a year where there were so many better movies that kind of, you know, scratched the same itch. It's a testament to something. I I don't know what it is. (laughs) Maybe 97 was just a a big year for the, for the box office. Like everything was just a smash hit. The sad part is I'm going to wind up looking up that men in black made less than air force one. And it's going to make me sad because men in black was a far more or far superior movie. Um, yeah, I hope that's not the case. Surely it's not. What did we say? It was basically $315 million. I should... Uh... Oh, no. Okay, we're, we're good. Men in Black. Men in Black non-inflation made almost $600 million. Or $600 million. It made $589 million. So we're still, we're still good there. Men in Black still beat it, which is, was the important thing. So... Um, so final final thoughts on the movie. Um, I'll say, I didn't love the movie. I didn't I didn't absolutely despise it. Kind of like you said, it's one of those weird things where it's that vanilla thing where it's not great. I think this is one of those movies that could be fun to kind of have a couple beers and tear apart with a friend next to you. It's not the best movie to do that with. There's far better ones where it's just outlandish and crazy. But I think there's enough of it. To, you know, keep you going and saying like, what the fuck are they doing here? Again, why, why do they have the automatic weapons? Why didn't he grab the bulletproof vest? It's not a movie that I would go back and watch again anytime soon. You know, it's, I think <laughs> at best, it's a movie you could have on, you know, TNT is playing it and you just have it on in the background while you're doing something because you're too lazy to set up the DVD player. But it's, I don't think it's a movie you need to watch. I mean, you get the YouTube clip with the, you know, get off of my plane. So there's not much more to it than that. Uh, For me, you know what it is, Brett? What's that? It's a. uh, A week past its expiration date, chocolate chip cookie (laughs) and a lukewarm glass of milk. (laughs) Like, it's not terrible. I'll still eat it. I'll, I'll still dip the cookie into the milk. But I acknowledge that uh, this is far from fresh. Yeah. I thought you were. it was just going to be the cookie and you were leading me up to ask for the milk to go with it. But it's okay. That's fine. You know, I thought we were going to de- end this with a bit. But You, you want to you do it again? You no, no, it I again? don't. Because I've already had to edit it enough of this fucking episode. So I, I don't want to have to do it again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So, again, it is a aggressively 
average movie action movie you know harrison ford is harrison ford so if you like him you'll probably enjoy that gary oldman is wonderful as always uh, there's you know some interesting things where like holy shit they actually killed somebody but at the end of the day it's it's not a fantastic movie and it's another one of those where like i think there was a decent amount of potential had they decided to go down that route and they just kind of watered it down and diluted it down to you know it's it's easiest digestible version and I think you said it best. I mean, this isn't even the best villain Gary Oldman played in 1997. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I will give you the last word, sir. America. Fuck yeah. See, again, I thought you were going to be like, get off of my podcast. And then we were, I was going to end oh, it. So. Yeah, I, I thought that would be low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Like this movie. So, all right. Bye. Get off my fucking podcast, Brett. Now well, we got an inflation calculator. I say, I don't know why okay, you're choosing on. box office. You could just use inflation calculator. Shut the fuck up, Brett. You better. <laughs> no, cut these are that movie bucks, out. okay, Travis? They're calculated differently. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> I would like to do some blue book, but before that, Ooh. I would like to take a piss. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Wait, you want to go together? Yeah. I'm going to bring the camera with okay. me, and that way we can kind of like virtually hold hands. <laughs> Is that cool? <laughs> God, this is such terrible podcasting. I'm, I'm oh, glad I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm going to have to edit a bunch of this out. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs>